thing. Um, not eating chametz, eating a lot of matzah, putting our matzah away, and eating a lot of chametz once again. Flipping our kitchens one way, flipping our kitchens the other way, and now, and uh, and and uh, Arthur got new glasses too in this past month. I see. So a lot's gone on. A lot of a lot has transpired since we've gotten back. To, since we've uh, gotten together last for Derech Hashem, and uh, we now resume Baruch Hashem. So a good chodesh to everyone. We get together. We're starting a brand new summer's man altogether, a brand new parak of Derech Hashem, a brand new chapter in this Sefer and a brand new chapter in our lives. And Arthur indeed looks quite quite good in those glasses, Arthur, I must say. Thank you, thank you. Quite handsome. Um, so, let's get right back into things over here. We are in Derech Hashem. Let's locate ourselves. We're in Chalik Bays. And we left off at the end of a Perik. We completed Perik Dalit. That's where we... That's where we uh, hit the pause button right before Pesach. And we're now beginning Perik Hay. So, Chalik Beis, Perik Hay, Simon Aleph. But let's just take a minute or two to locate ourselves in the Sefer, remind ourselves what's going on over here in Derech Hashem, and uh, where this Perik hits the ground. <clears throat> so, Derech Hashem, remember, is, is, is the Ramchal's work on the Sogya of none other than Hashem himself, Rebbeinu Shalalim. An understanding life and creation and everything that's within a creation from the perspective of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the perspective of understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what he is and what he's all about. And the Sefer is broken down into four sections. We're in the middle of the second section. And the first section of the Sefer, as we remember, was on the purpose of creation. Why did the Rebbein Shalom make a, a, a Bria? What the purpose is? And... And um, the, the, the system that was set up to facilitate that purpose, to allow that purpose to come to its purposeful realization. That was the first section. The purpose of this creation was understood after we understood the basics, the basic definitions of who HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect. He's toiv, and he wants to be mative. And the way he wants to be made of is by sharing from himself his perfection. And that's why, essentially, he made everything in creation for the purpose of Klaistral, for Klaistral to be able to enjoy satisfaction from having a, an affinity within a connection with, a bond with the perfection of Hashem himself. Um, how do we get there? We only get there through a journey of Eilam Hazad to Eilam Haba. We have to earn that perfection. We have to build up that perfection our, our, on our own. We have to make ourselves self-contained, independent sources of perfection. Otherwise, we can't enjoy and, 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 and uh, bond with HaKadosh Baruch's perfection. We discussed that length in the first section. And <clears throat> therefore, we have to have two realms in creation. We have to have the realm where we can create ourselves as beings that are like Hashem, that's Eilam Hazeh, and the realm in which we enjoy that which we have created and developed, and that's Eilam Haba. And that was the crux and the focus of the first section of the Sefer, what the purpose of creation is and how we get there, the, 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 the entire system. The second section is entitled Bashkachasa Yisbarach and Hashem's Hashkacha, so where the first section is about the purpose of creation and the system within the creation, which creation functions. The second section is Akash Baruch Hu's role 
within that system. The role that Hashem maintains, the fact that He maintains an active, dynamic role, and not a backseat role, but a front seat role, driver's seat role, and that Rebbein Shalom is actively involved in this world. And that's the, the um, essence of the concept of Hashgacha. Hashgacha, as we saw many, many times, we debunked that myth that Hashgacha means um, salvation. Hashgacha doesn't mean, doesn't mean um, a miraculous last-minute save from something. Hashgacha means Hashem's interest, Hashem's involvement, Hashem's maintenance of the system. And that's the, the focus of the second section of the Sefer, Hashgachas Yisbarach. And once the system is set up, how Hashem maintains an active role, an interested role, and a dynamic role. And that we saw, you know, at least half of the second section so far, and that led to a whole discussion of um, why good things happen to bad people, why bad things happen to good people, and that has to do with Hashem's Hashgacha, the Rebbe maintaining the system, and that feeds directly back into the first section of the Sefer. The first section of the Sefer is the purpose of creation, that Kach Baruch Hu created this world for the purposes of the Shleimim, the Kibbutz HaShleimim, that mankind should be reunited and to the, to the best of our abilities and mankind's abilities and, and the system's abilities find mankind's way into Olam Haba to realize that that Shlemus and that Zvekus HaKash Baruch Hu. Um, so the Rebbein Shalem wants to make sure that that, that being the, the purpose of creation, that that purpose is is indeed realized. And that is also, that that's, that goes hand in hand with Hashgach. That's why HaKash Baruch Hu is involved in the system, does maintain the system, doesn't just let it run on its own like clockwork, which he could have. He doesn't do that because he has an interest in seeing the system to its conclusion. He has an interest in seeing as many people as possible get into Olam Haba. Um, that can trigger this whole discussion of, okay, so so if Hashem is indeed involved, how does Hashem's involvement generate what we see as so much suffering in the world and, and uh, so much chaos and disarray? So this is where we're basically holding um, in the second section of the Sefer on the top of Hashem's Hashgacha. And... So let's uh, let's get right back into things. Perikay, chelik base perikay, but even a hashgacha says the Ramchal on the topic of how hashgacha specifically works, how Hashem's involvement specifically specifically works. And that providence, hashgacha is not providence. It's not salvation. It's involvement, personal involvement. Aleph hine ad heina biarnu mishpatei hashgacha. Until this point in time, we've explained the rules of Hashgacha, what the rules are, what the rules are, are um, the system has to be balanced, and the system has to be maintained, and Midas Hadin has to be satisfied, we saw, and that's why the Tzadikim have to suffer in this world, and Tzadikim sometimes have to go to Gehenim, that's why Rishayim are rewarded sometimes in this world, that was, that was all the rules. Now we're going to talk about the specifics of, of the different forms that Hashkocha takes, Hashem's involvement. This breaks down further into two subcategories. One category that we're going to deal with, one subcategory, is the Rebbeinu Shalaylam's um, Hashkocha here doesn't mean the way we use the term Hashkocha. Hashkocha here means Hashem's um, 
investigations, Hashem's observations, Hashem's um, excuse me, not overseeing as much as just you know investigating is a better word. Hashem's hashkafa, that Hashem is keeping tabs on everything. The second subcategory is how Hashem deals with the system, deals with everything creation based on Hashem's hashkafa. So there's hashkafa and hashpa, and that is the, the specifics within which how Hashem is mashkiach. Again, these are two subcategories of hashkafa. Hashkafa is Hashem's involvement. Hashem's involved in two ways. How is Hashem involved in the brio? Hashem's involved in the brio. The hashkafa of Hashem is invo- is, shows up in Hashem's hashkafa. That's Hashem's observation. But really, observation is investigation. Investigation is scrutinization. Not like an outlook. What? Not like an outlook. Not outlook. Yeah, here it doesn't mean outlook. It means scrutinizing. Scrutinizing. And observing with an interest. Observing with, with uh, an understanding that things make an afkamino. Um, and the second is Hashem's hashba, the feedback. That, that, that Hashem, uh, the input that Hashem gives to the Bri and the feedback that the Bri gets from Hashem based on Hashem's hashkafa. So, base. Let's expand the first subcategory. Hashem's hashkafa, Hashem's observation, investigation, scrutinization of the universe. We've already explained this harks back all the way to the beginning of the first section of the Sefer, Chelik Aleph, Perik Aleph, where we defined Akash Baruch The Rebbeinu Shalaylam is all-knowing. He's omniscient. There's nothing that escapes his attention. There's nothing that he doesn't know. There's no unknowns to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. Anything that's knowable, Hashem knows. Not only that, this omniscience of Akash Baruch is not limited to real time, not limited to any time. Hashem is all-knowing, and all-knowing of all times, Hashem is all-knowing of all events at all times in history, past, present, and future. Hashem is beyond time, and therefore everything is, so to speak, right now revealed to Hashem, but right, even the right now, the term right now is kind of meaningless. Hashem's knowledge is all-encompassing, and all-encompassing of all events and the entire history of everything in creation from from the very beginnings to eternity. Anything that was, that will be, and that is, is already foreseen, is already known to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you can't, can't stop HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no way of doing something um, that, he's not, that he doesn't already know uh, about. And everything that did happen is all known to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nothing is concealed from him. The entire present, everything that's going on, which seems to us to be happening in real time, as we speak, that doesn't escape his attention. And is known in all of its aspects. Nothing is concealed from him. So that's really a, a separate knech over there. Ramchal is really saying two different points. He's saying... All world events are, are revealed to Hashem. Hashem is outside of time. So he knows the past and the present. 
uh, and the future. And in terms of the present, the, the emphasis in the present, like one would think, because he knows the past, he knows the future, he knows the present, well, it's the present's either past or future, right? I mean, he knows all the past, he knows all the future. He passes, he knows the present also. Why does Ramchal have to speak this out? So what he's speaking out in, in, in terms of Hashem knowing the present, the focus is um, all the all the um, background to all events, all the aspects to all events, everything that that not only that that happens all events, but all the havaminas, all the plotting and planning, everything that I thought about and I decided not to do, and that I could have done, and I I, I I didn't do. Nevertheless, that's what goes into the hoiveth, because from our perspective, that's something that's only relevant in real time, you know? Once something happens, it happens. So, so my havamina was like, irrelevant. And if something hasn't happened yet, so Islam doesn't exist yet. But, but what's relevant in, to us in real time is all of the scheming and the plotting and the struggles that we have. I would really like to do this. Will I overcome? Will I not overcome? I almost did that. I thought about doing this, and I did something else. That for us is hoive. And that's why the Ramchal addresses this separately. That's present. Present is all the the unknowns, or rather the unseens, the the, the, the behind the scenes and the beneath the surfaces. So that the Rebbein Shalom is aware of as well. And that's again, that's what the emphasis the Ramchal is putting over here in separating present tense from past and future. What what shows up in present tense and for what for us is only relevant in, in present tense. And once it's not not in the present anymore, it's irrelevant, doesn't exist anymore. That's the bechinois of. The, the, the struggles, the havaminas, the considerations, what we're thinking, the thought process. Nothing is concealed from the Yubani Shalom. Again, not just events, but all the possible events, everything that could have been, the would have been, and the should have been, that's also revealed to the Yubani Shalom. Okay, so Ramchal, why is the Ramchal doing this? We had this already in the beginning of the first parak. What the Ramchal is doing is he's coming to re-emphasize something that really needs to be emphasized. He's coming to set up an implied question. What he's coming to re-emphasize, let's speak out what the Ramchal is doing. He's coming to re-emphasize the fact that, yes, Hashem is outside of time. Hashem is, is, is um, aware of everything. And he's beyond all of time-bound and temporal events because he's outside time, lest we think at this point in the Sefer that, that, that maybe to a certain degree Hashem is within time. Now why would I start thinking that now? Maybe an aspect of HaKadosh Baruch is within time, maybe Hashem's, Hashem's Midas are somehow time-bound and, 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 and limited within time. Ramchal is to stress, now that we've get, gotten so, so many details and developed so much of the Sefer, that no, nothing of Hashem is within time, everything is beyond time. And that has to be stressed because of the fact that we're talking about Hashgacha. We're talking about Hashgacha. Again, what's Hashgacha? Hashgacha is Hashem's involvement and interest in the system. Now here we have, we have a problem. And this is, we see both halves of, 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 of why the Ramchal brings this up, or two halves of one, of, one, of one topic, two sides of one coin over here. We have a problem. If Hashem is going to be involved in the system, and that system means the system of the universe, and the universe, which is set up to be native to us, and to allow us to have dveikos, l'neitzach nitzachim, if Hashem is involved in that, Hashem is interested in that, and it means Hashem is involved and interested in a system that's within time. 
that is limited by time, that's bound by time. The entire system of this universe is a system that needs time and that requires a time factor to be meaningful and significant. If there's no time factor within this system, if the Briois are not limited by time, the system breaks down. A, you have to go from Eilam Hazet to Eilam Haba. That's first of all. We have to, you know, have a certain sequence. Things have to go, time has to flow in a certain order. We've got to go from stage one to stage two. The world requires time. Second of all, as we saw in the first section of the Sefer, this world itself, Eilam Hazet itself, has to have a Kates. There has to be a, a, an end point where we say the buck stops here. That's the end of the road. And now we're moving on to stage two. There's got to be a chishevas hakates. There's got to be a, 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 a limit to our journey in this world, in this lifetime, to allow man, mankind to move on to stage two. We could stay here forever. We could build up schar and Abba forever. There's got to come a point in time where Kodesh Baruch Hu says, okay, you did your best. And now we're sending you on to the next stage. So not only the two stages of existence have to work in a specific sequence, they have to be sequentially arranged, but beyond that, beyond that, Olam has itself has to be bound by time. In order to allow mankind to move on to stage two, and we explained that also, we dealt with that in the first section, that's part of Hashem's Chesed, is allowing man to move on, because otherwise some people would never ever make it. If we wait till you reach Shlemus, some people will never reach Shlemus, Right? Okay, so that is the system that Kosh Baruch Hu set up. It's a system that's very much bound by time. And we're being told now that part of Hashem's Hashgach is Hashem maintains an active role and an active involvement. So how can something that's outside of time and not limited by time have an active involvement in something that is dafka limited by time? How does that work? It's a major philosophical catastrophe over here. There's a breakdown. So as a result of that, I might think, aha, aha. So can sign, muzain, it must be that there's an aspect of a Baruch Hu that, that does work within time, that, that, that is maybe bound by time, is limited by time. Maybe that's part of the, the, the Hanhagas, I'm sorry, part of the, the um, you know, Hashem created Kaychus within which he created, that he used to, to interface with the Bria, interact with the Bria. It's a, so maybe, excuse me, perhaps, these, these, some of these Kaychus, there's a Kaych that's, Excuse me, limited by time? That's what I would think to solve this problem. And that's exactly what the Ramchal is coming to preempt over here, anticipate in Bavorn, until it says, no, it's not the case. Hashem, make no, mis- make no mistakes. Hashem is still the same Hashem that we talked about in the first section. Hashem is unlimited, unbound by time. Hashem is not temporal at all. No aspect of Hashem is temporal. Aye. If that's the case, it's a major question. That's what, this is the second half. So if Hashem is unbound and unlimited by time, Hashem is outside of time, beyond time, knows past, present, and future, knows exactly what we're going to do and what our children are going to do, what our grandchildren do, what everyone's going to do till the end of days. How can Hashem maintain a personal interest and a personal involvement in a system, within a system, that works frame by frame, play by play, minute by minute? If Hashem is beyond all this, Hashem knows what's going to happen an hour from now. How does Hashem maintain Hashgacha? That's the kasha. That's why the Ramchal is beginning now with this discussion. Amnam says the Ramchal, We refer to him as an entity that keeps track of what's going on, that does keep track. In that which Hashem judges us and deals with us, meets out reward and punishment. He chodshom bohem, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, 
meets out reward and punishment to us and, 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 and judges us in a, in, a, in, a, in a format that is limited, bound by time, that Hashem deems as appropriate to his creations that are limited by time. We will speak about this at greater length um, later in the Sefer. Period. So the Ramchal just gave us an answer to a very difficult question. And the difficult question, again, is how do we escape from this catastrophe wherein we have a being, we have an entity that, that is outside of time and is always outside of time and inherently, and yet is, is mashgiach, has a personal involvement, a personal interest, a personal maintenance, scrutinization, observation of a system which is bound by time. The Ramchal's answer is not what we would have thought, and that's the first point that he's coming to make. It's not that, oh, yes, there is a part of Hashem Kilo that works within time. No. Rather, the answer is, what is the answer? Nikrashu Mashkif. If we read this carefully, we see two clues. Hashem is called someone who keeps track of things. Mashu Dun Oisam. In other words, the Rebina Shalaylam deals with the Bria in such a way that the Bria perceives HaKadosh Baruch Hu as working within time. Nikra. Nikra. Hashem has a Hanhaga. Hashem has a Hanhaga that Hashem conducts himself and interacts with the Bria in such a way that we perceive the Rebbein Shalalim as working within time. The Rebbein himself is unlimited by time. And even when he gives us that second chance, he knows as he's giving us that second chance, that third chance, that fourth chance, if we're going to rise the occasion and make good on that second chance, or if we're going to fight or fail, he knows it before he gives us the second chance. He knows it as, as he's giving us the second chance, what we're going to do with that second chance. As he's creating us, he knows if this neshama is going to get into... Gehenim or Elam Haba, nevertheless, he creates the Neshama anyway. Why should he do that if he knows this Neshama is doomed to purgatory? The answer is, he's doing it for us. So, how does Hashem escape this, this conflict? The answer to this question is the same as the answer to a question that we had all the way in the beginning of the Perik, which is, in the beginning of the Sefer, which is, when things come to Hashem's own existence there we, we we really don't have any understanding we have no hasaga we have no perception over there we only have a perception from and an understanding of when things begin when when our existence begins the beginning of our existence from that point on we can understand before that we can't understand that which hashem is outside time is something that's outside of us our existence comes together with time we can only understand things that are time bound Hashem's existence is not time-bound, but that's beyond our existence. There we talk, don't have any perception. Our perception is only from our existence, from when Hashem wants to create us and onward, when time gets involved, when there is a time factor, and from our perspective, we see a God who works within time, who conducts himself with, with, within, our, within our existence. And another way of saying that is Hashem's, so to speak, not lowering himself, but allowing himself to work within time. Hashem is working within such a way that within our perceptions. 
it's not about Hashem's inherent existence. Hashem's inherent existence is beyond all this and outside of this. And yes, it would seem that from Hashem's perspective, there's a massive conflict and a crazy conflict. Like, you know, with us and our kids, if we would know what our kids are going to do um, minute by minute, that would change drastically how we deal with our kids, you know, to think of it, of it that way. If I know, you know, that my kid is, gonna, is going to... Um, Burn the house down. I'm not going to give him a cigarette lighter. If I know my kid is going to total my car, I'm not going to give him the car keys. Would you ever give him the car keys? No, we would never do that. If I know my kid is going to <clears throat> run off with my uh, the contents of my liquor cabinet, have a, a party with his kids, I would never give him the keys to the liquor cabinet. I wouldn't tell him where, my, where, 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 where the booze is. If I would know that he's gonna, he's gonna, he's going to have a party. Wild party with all his friends, get sugar, and go trash the neighborhood, and get arrested. I would never give him any of these things. I only, I only give, we only give, because there, there's hope, and there's belief, and there's optimism. The Rebbeinu Shalaylam knows, may Rosh, what the outcome is going to be. Nevertheless, he gives. So why is he doing that? He's doing that because in creating a system that's banned by time, he operates within time. We perceive him as being limited by time, <clears throat> even though nevertheless he is really unlimited by time. He, it's, it's, it's all about his interaction with us. And Hashem remains unchanged. Hashem remains untouched un, 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 un by this. But from how he deals with us, we see a, an entity that deals with us within a framework of time. And that's why the stress is on us over here. What we receive from Hashem is are things that are happening in real time. What we receive from Hashem is things that are happening from a perspective of one that would seem to be working within time. And that's all we know and that's all we can understand. Again, what's happening is beyond our understanding and beyond our knowledge. But that goes hand in hand with the beyond our understanding and beyond our knowledge of why Hashem would have created the system to begin with, which is what we had in the beginning of the Sefer. Why, if Hashem is perfect on His own, is complete on His own, is not lacking anything on His own, why would He even create a universe to give over to others outside of Him? We said that that's unanswerable. And this is also unanswerable, the fact that a being that's outside of time can somehow work within time. That's Be'etzim. Again, something that's really beyond our comprehension. What's within our comprehension is what we see, what we perceive. We perceive Hashem is an entity working within time, dealing in real time with us. That's what we perceive. And that's really the only answer to this philosophical problem. And that's where we conclude um, uh, Simon Bays. And that's where we will stop for today. So everyone should have a good night. It should be a wonderful Zman for everyone. And um, continue tomorrow.